Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. Boy, wasn't it fun yesterday to be on the air live as five-star defensive lineman Mikael Williams had announced that that he had flipped his commitment from, from USC, that he was officially joining the Georgia class, fresh off having taken an official visit to UGA that previous weekend. And what made it more fun on our show was the fact that we had actually been, as luck would have it, we had actually been talking about Williams in the, I'm talking about the moments, the final seconds before he made the announcement that he was flipping to UGA. We had been talking about this on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Meriwether and Tharp with Jeff Sintel, who made a special Wednesday appearance in our show to kind of rehash everything that was going on with UGA recruiting. It was a really, really cool moment. And in the midst of all of this, I, I don't want you to miss something that Jeff said, because the, the way that all this goes down is, so a couple of weeks ago for the Arkansas game, Bear Alexander was there. There were some UGA students who had had their, like, we want Bear stuff painted on their chest, and they were holding up the signs and everything else. And I had taken a picture of that, and I tweeted it out, and it had gotten some attention. And I guess that Mikhail Williams had noticed that and shared that with Bear Alexander. Mikhail got a kick out of the way in which Georgia fans were showing so much love to Big Bear. And apparently that was one of those things that was also a little bit of a repeat for Mikhail himself when he took his official visit this past weekend. So if you want to know like the final touches on what turned out to be a Mikhail Williams flip from USC to Georgia on our show yesterday, Jeff told a great story about this, and I don't want this to get lost in the shuffle. Good stuff from Jeff Sintel from yesterday, Dog Nation Daily, presented by Meriwether and Tharp. So let's begin with this right now. Remember a couple of weeks back when Michael Williams was actually the one who first saw on social media the big Bear Alexander that we want Bear, Bear Alexander sign? They were both in the front rows, and Mikel's pointed out that phone, pointed out on his phone to Bear. He's yeah. like, look, man, they do sure love them some Bear. Brandon, Georgia picks him up for his official visit with a car service, probably about 10 o'clock, 10.30 a.m. on Saturday, coming from Columbus. And somebody, one of his coaches on the Hardaway staff, sent him something on his smartphone this time. And, Brandon, it was that we want Mikel uh, that showed up on game day. Georgia didn't have to do that. Just social media did its thing. And probably if we had to say what was the most impactful thing, impactful single thing uh, for Mikel Williams on his visit, that's when he's rolling up 85, trying to get to Athens on a game day. And he looks on his phone and he sees ESPN College game day. And he sees we want Mikel in the background. And for him, that was the wow, eye-opening, oh, my gosh, moment. Because a week, couple of weeks earlier, he was the guy pointing out, I mean, they love them some bear. Well, this time, he found out that Georgia fans do love them some Mikel as well. So I just think that's great from Jeff Sintel. And if you want to hear the recipe for a successful official visit, they're really twin pillars that have to be paid attention to. First of all, there's the organizational push, the stuff that comes from the football program itself of – how do you get the car to the hometown to get the guy picked up or for the out-of-state recruits, maybe they're flying in. How do you make sure they get to the game on time? How do you get them fed well? How do you make them feel comfortable? You know, find them some, some you know, other friends to hang out with or, you know, introduce them to some folks from the university and let them, you know, help them make, make them feel at home. There's a real organizational structure required to get the hospitality to feel the way that it's supposed to be. And some of that comes from the program itself, but concurrent to that, there's also that grassroots thing, too, where when Bear Alexander was here a couple of weeks ago, the Georgia fans had their big bear signs ready. We want bear. 
Mikhail Williams noticed that. And then you had the same thing for Mikhail on his official visit. And all of you saw this on game day. At one point in time, one of the crowd shots, and you just saw the big letters. We want M-Y-K-E-L. We want Mikhail. It's like the different, it's like each letter on a on, on a poster board spelled out big all the way across. And imagine if you're Mikhail Williams, you're driving to Athens. I'm sure they're picking you up in a nice car. If I had to guess, it's like a black SUV. That seems to be what the recruits go around campus in from time to time. So you're in a nice, comfortable SUV. You're taking a ride, you know, over to Athens from Columbus. And then you're shown on your phone, hey, on game day, as it's airing from the spot you're going to, big sign that says, we want Mikel. My guess is it's probably hard not to feel at home at UGA after that. Then lo and behold, you got the uh, Mikael Williams commitment coming yesterday. In fact, let me show you on the screen here. Good stuff from our Dog Nation team, putting together a very good edit for Mikel, celebrating his commitment there to a UGA. That is incredibly fun. And of course, the longstanding tradition for UGA fans, once you get the big commitment, there's always that wonderment of, well, what's coming next with all of this? And there is no shortage of chatter online about that right now. So let's at least take a moment to, to pay attention to that. Hayes Fawcett, who's a name that many of you may know, works for On3 now. He's kind of the guru when it comes to a lot of the, the edits that go out for the various recruits. Well, he's talking to a lot of recruits on a regular basis. And he, he tweets out yesterday that Georgia's flipped five-star defensive lineman Mikhail Williams from USC. He says, don't think that's the last recruit they end up flipping either. Uh, Hayes Fawcett gives you that information there. So that's pretty interesting that more flips are on the way, at least according to a guy that's talking to recruits on a, on a fairly uh, regular basis. I mentioned some of those Georgia staffers. How about David Cooper, who kind of manages things from a recruiting standpoint for UGA? He's also been on Twitter celebrating the news from Mikhail Williams. And as you do when you play the game this time of year, hinting at what might be coming next. He says, boys getting frustrated trying to figure out how we keep doing it, and they know we're not even close to being done yet. And David Cooper gives you a dogs on top on that. So it is pretty clear that despite the fact that Burden made his decision that he made earlier this week, that Georgia is feeling really pretty good about itself right now from a recruiting standpoint. Getting Mikhail Williams, wondering about more flips, wondering about more big additions. And you start thinking, well, is it Shamar James, who recently decommitted from Florida? Is it Humphrey, who's still a part of that Florida class right now, who Georgia may also seemingly have its sights set on? Not necessarily a flip situation, but a big name that's out there is a guy like Christian Miller, for instance. And Miller, of course, was very active celebrating the decision for Mikhail Williams. Miller and Williams are very close friends. And uh, Christian Miller had a very cool celebratory tweet out recently, uh, you know, just within the last 24 hours, looking at what Mikhail Williams was able to do. So a lot of reason right now to feel like whether it's Miller, whether it's one of the Florida guys, the recent decommit James, the current commit Humphrey, that right now Georgia is absolutely setting its sight on some of the biggest of big names. And it is really fun. And I was telling our video audience this a moment ago, and I'll say this, then we'll move on to a different topic. This is supposed to be the off week. This is supposed to be the week when nothing's going on. This is supposed to be the week in which Georgia football turns off the lights, shuts the windows, and just goes into hibernation for seven days and comes back and gets back to business of football again on Sunday. That's the way I think that some people assume this kind of stuff works. But as Kirby Smart told you and told all of us at the end of last Saturday's game, that it would simply, it was, it was not a matter of shutting down, it was a matter of shifting gears. Now you get a chance to focus heavily on recruiting. The Kirby Copter was flying last week. The big flip from Florida State with Alu Ba earlier this week. The big flip from USC, Mikhail Williams now later on the week. 
lot of curiosity about where things stand with Christian Miller, Smart James, or on and on and on you go. That Georgia football does not rest. It doesn't rest during game weeks. It's the number one team in the country. It doesn't rest during off weeks either, putting together a flex that might also result in the number one recruiting class in the country too. Things are very, very good if you want to be a dog fan right about now. My name is Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. We're presented today by Mary Weather and Tharp, and we are live on video starting at 9.45 on our first and 15, dognation.com, the Dog Nation app. Also on video, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, all those video platforms. Still on podcast, all the various podcasts. Obviously on the radio at noon every single day on Athens Sports Radio, 960 The Ref. And our time broadcasting for my house is almost done. I was taking a peek yesterday. It is what is what's soon to be a, a brand new studio. I'd put out a little teaser video for SEC Country Live. We did not do the show yesterday because we were kind of outside of the studio and it's it's not easy to do Dog Nation daily via the the remote method. It was going to be virtually impossible to do SEC Country Live. There's just a lot of bells and whistles that go into that show. So we took a pass on. We did take an off week for SEC Country Live yesterday, but I did do a teaser video for next week's show from the brand new control room there uh, at our at our new Dog Nation World Headquarters studio. So that was uh, really pretty cool. So feeling very good about how all of that is trending. And I can't wait to debut this new studio with you. And I tell you what, we would not be able to do this, build new studios and create opportunities for growth. If it were not for our great sponsors, including our friends at Meriwether and Tharp. What I love about Meriwether and Tharp is not only do they form a great partnership with us, but they also are tremendous advocates for so many of you in an audience, the size of ours. A lot of you, unfortunately are, either going through the divorce process, you've been through it before, you may be going through it in the very near future. And it's a scary and confusing time. I won't pretend that. We have fun talking about the Braves and the playoffs or Georgia pursuing a national championship. Those are great conversations to have. The divorce conversation is not as pleasant, but it is a reality. And it's important to embrace reality and do what needs to be done, which for you means educating yourself about the process. That's why my invitation to you is to check out the website for Meriwether and Tharp. Uh, they are your source for Georgia divorce. You can find them online at the atlantadivorceteam.com. And when you check them out online, what you're going to get a chance to see is all the resources they bring to the table for you. I'm talking about blog posts and podcasts, and that's a good first step towards learning about everything that the divorce process can mean for you and how the law specifically applies to your situation. I think it also informs you with better questions to ask when you take that free initial consultation with an attorney from Meriwether and Tharp. Then you're set up to make the decision to hire them to go to work for you and let them help you make the next season of your life a lot more enjoyable. So find them online, the Atlanta divorce team.com. That's the website, the Atlanta divorce team.com. Meriwether and Tharp, your source for Georgia divorce. All right. We'll get Terrence Edwards coming up here in just a few minutes time. Good stuff with Terrence. We'll talk to him about kind of what's next for Georgia, the receiver position. Now that Luther Burns made the decision that he has made to choose Missouri and so much more. That's Terrence Edwards coming up here in just a little bit. Before that, I want to go around the doghouse. And it's presented today by our friends at SurfPro. And I want to kind of go back over the course of the last couple of days, Kirby Smart talking quarterbacks here, and kind of what that means as you head towards a, a Florida game next Saturday with Stetson Bennett remaining as the, the starter. He's been playing and playing well. JT Daniels, the original starter, who obviously had a lot of accolades based on the way last season finished, returning to that starting role. Is Daniels healthy enough to do that? And, you know, what is the viewpoint on Bennett here right now? So let's do a lot of that here for a moment. Let me start with Kirby Smart going back to last Saturday 
just on the simple idea of how the quarterbacks will be evaluated ahead of next Saturday's game against the Gators and the and the viewpoint that Kirby has. Let's take a listen to that. We evaluate that position like we do every single position. We go to practice. We do third down period. We do two minute. We uh, ask questions in meetings. We 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 do everything just like a normal position. So uh, we evaluate that position just like we do corner, left tackle, everything. Now it is different in the management of it. I get it in terms of reps and things, uh, but we, we evaluate the same way. I mean, I. I, I, I'm proud of the way Stetson played, and I'm hopeful that JT gets healthy as soon as possible. So I understand why Smart says what he says there, but the one thing I think we all very much understand is that the quarterback position can't be truly evaluated the same way the other positions are because you have to decide who to give those practice reps to. Is Daniels healthy enough to, to get them? And if you take them away from Bennett, you have to feel good that Daniels is then going to be able to be your starting quarterback because as we've said over and over, it's the guy who's practicing that's likely to play, and it becomes very important to be able to make a good decision on who you give those practice reps to as opposed to who you're then going to trust, either the healthy Daniels or the hot Bennett, who you're going to trust to be that quarterback going to that game against Florida. And look at a couple of situa- situations around the sport right now. Lincoln Riley being so, I don't know, what's the word I'm looking for? suspicious acting when it comes to his own quarterback situation with Spencer Rattler being benched for Caleb Williams and how just temperamental he's been about the whole thing because he knows that the decision to go away from Rattler to go to Caleb Williams is more than the decision to switch out a defensive back or switch out an offensive lineman. There's a lot more weight to that. And if a guy like Rattler were to bolt to the transfer portal or to salt privately and, and, in the corner of the locker room, that is the tendency to divide a locker room, that you have to be careful how you handle quarterbacks because quarterbacks kind of set the tone for the mood for your entire team. And, of course, Kirby Smart kind of understands that. You see the same thing kind of going on in Florida right now where, you know, they've played the game back and forth with Emory Jones and Anthony Richardson and AR-15 talked last week about, hey, maybe I'll transfer. You know, at least hinted the possibility that might be something he would consider. He then backtracked on those words. But there's obviously a lot of weight that comes up when it comes to how you handle a quarterback situation. In the case of Bennett and Daniels, they're not transfer threats, I I don't think. But there are some consequences when you choose to play one quarterback against playing the other, especially when the team itself has gotten used to now playing with Bennett. Kirby Smart has said they believe in Bennett. I take him at his word on that. But obviously, JT Daniels has also shown himself, when fully healthy, to be a very capable quarterback there as well. But as far as kind of drilling down on what you see specifically from Bennett, Once again, going back to Saturday, Smart kind of reaffirmed his confidence in Stetson, despite the fact that a lot of people seem to think it's a it's it's a no brainer choice that they're going to go in the direction of uh, of of JT Daniels. Here is Kirby talking about Stetson Bennett. We never didn't trust Stetson. I, I don't see it that way. I don't. I don't see it as oh, they've opened up the offense for Stetson. I mean, I can go back case in point to games, you know, where he threw the ball quite a bit. There's there's been games we didn't throw it with him, but it wasn't a lack of trust. It was. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think of Kentucky last year. I felt like we run the ball every play last year against Kentucky, but it, it was what we could do to win the game. It's what we thought gave us the most success. And I remember the opening drive against them last year. We just. I think we ran the ball every play down the field. Um, and it wasn't a lack of trust. I mean, we trust Stetson. And uh, I thought Stetson threw the ball, you know, in the Alabama game. He threw the ball in some other games. So it's not a, it's not like a maturation process. It's more about what the defense has given us and who's healthy on offense. I think in the case of the Kentucky game from a year ago, I think it would be fair for a lot of Georgia fans to come away from that thinking 
do you really trust Stetson? Because that was a pretty tepid game plan there that day. Bennett threw a couple of picks. They didn't throw the ball very, ball very much at all. It was mostly rushing plays. George only scored 14 points on the, ro- the road. It was an easy win against a Kentucky team that wasn't good enough to threaten, but it certainly seemed like the governors were on the Georgia offense there that day ag- against Kentucky. If anything, it seems like, I mean, especially given the numbers, look at Bennett against Kentucky this season, where he eventually averaged more than 11 yards per attempt, gets a chance to throw the football, strikes in a few big plays there. It, it seems like a lot of Georgia fans probably are left to assume that there is more trust in Bennett right now in this offense than there would have been a year ago, but that's smart validating his belief in Bennett, whether it has always been true or more true now than it used to be. That's validation from smart on that. And then one more on this, when he was pressed on, on Bennett again, going back to Saturday, once again, smart kind of doubled down on his belief that even a year ago, when a lot of Georgia fans were just biding their time, waiting for Daniels to get healthy, that smart still thought Stetson Bennett was playing pretty well let's hear let's hear Kirby Smart again I don't know y'all tell me because I thought the guy played pretty good last year you know I mean he he got beat we got beat by the national champion with him at at quarterback you know and we didn't play uh real good on defense uh and then he was playing pretty good against the team that won the SEC East and he took a shot and and hurt his shoulder so I don't know that this is like all a new premonition that he's just all of a sudden gotten better I think that he's a very effective quarterback. He's very bright. He can run with his, his legs. He understands what uh, Munkin's trying to do. I think it's very fortunate for Georgia. They've had a backup quarterback that has played as well as Stetson Bennett has played while he's been in both a year ago and this year there as well. That's a really good thing for Georgia. There's no quarterback controversy here at UGA. It's a positive quarterback situation. The fact that Georgia's had multiple guys succeed and, and, and do well. At the same time, I am also of the belief that for Georgia to be at its top-end level performance, the best that it can be, I do think there's there's a need to eventually turn back to JT Daniels for all of that. And there's a very good chance that Georgia has to go back to Bennett again if Daniels can't be fully healthy. But the best version of Georgia, I still believe, involves JT Daniels at quarterback. But is he going to be healthy enough to provide that against Florida? That becomes, I think, a very fair question. Let's go to Tuesday here for a moment. Let's hear smart on the topic of what Daniels is able to do this week and how healthy he even is. This is what smart said when he updated the media on Tuesday afternoon. This has been ahead of the, 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 the Tuesday practice. Here's Kirby from this week. JT uh, has been able to, his, his pitch count kind of increased. He got up to uh, maybe 65, 70 throws yesterday with Ron uh, pain-free. Uh, increasing distance, getting out further and further. I think he had around 40 or 45 yards. Um, hopefully, I'll know more today because we didn't we didn't really practice yesterday. We, we we threw him; he got the throw, but we didn't practice. We did a walkthrough, cleanup um, kind of deal, and we'll we'll know more today because he's hopefully going to get some um, quality reps and, and see what kind of velocity he's got. So that was smart on Tuesday. Let me quickly give you an update from yesterday. I'm going to read this. This is from the. SEC coaches teleconference about Daniels a day after Smart said what he said there, that Daniels took more reps with the groups yesterday than he has in the past. I thought he did a good job with those reps. However, Smart says he'd be the first to tell you, speaking about JT Daniels, there was a little rust there from not having taken as many 11-on-11 reps or good-on-good reps. And once again, that reinforces what we've said over and over again, that the issue for Georgia is not so much choosing of who do you want to start between a healthy Bennett and a healthy Daniels, the issue continues to be, is JT Daniels healthy enough 
to fully practice? Is Daniels healthy enough to be that full participant in practice, to shake off that rust, to get back in sync with his offense? And that's what's going to allow him to be the best available option against Florida. But even though there's a lot of excitement on my part to eventually see Daniels again, if he's not able to practice that way, then the odds of him being that guy in the game, whether it be Florida or anytime until this is until this is true, I think those odds, you know, kind of go down a little bit. So hopefully as we head towards that Gators game next week, you hear more updates from Smart about Daniels being comfortable, a full participant in practice, and able to, as Smart alluded to yesterday, shake off that rust. That's around the doghouse. It's brought to you today by our friends at ServPro restoration specialists when it comes to the damage you may get around your home from fire and water intrusion. The folks at Surf Pro can fix that, repair it for you, clean it up for you like it never even happened. All the Surf Pro franchises are independently owned and operated, which means you get folks who understand the value of uh, a family-oriented service, local-oriented service. That's what Surf Pro can provide for you. Uh, your water damage, your fire damage, those things, they can repair it for you, clean it up for you like it never even happened. So check out Surf Pro today online at SurfPro.com. Com. Terrence Edwards is ready to join us right now, so let's dive in and say hello to Terrence. We'll talk to him about the Georgia quarterback situation in just a moment. Terrence, I really appreciate your time being with us here today and joining us on Zoom as we're still outside of our studio here for a couple of more days here. Before we get into the stuff we were just hearing from Kirby Smart on JT Daniels and this quarterback situation, let's also go talk about the uh, recruiting news from this week. Five-star wide receiver Luther Burden makes the decision to choose Missouri. How much had you watched Burden, and how good do you think he could have been had he chosen UGA? I've, I've watched him a, a pretty bit. <clears throat> um, he's, a, he's a really talented wide receiver, and he uh, would have been a, a great addition to uh, this Georgia team. Um, but that's how the recruiting goes. I think the pressure of staying home, uh, just one out, I think he really enjoyed Athens uh, from his words of just high goals, you know. You win some, you lose some. Now Coach Hankton and Monken and his staff just go and try to find the next one that fits what George is trying to do. Yeah, I mean, and some of the names that come up there, the idea that a Coach Antwee may reconsider George, obviously Andre Green Jr. is out there. Also seems like George is w- w- looking a little more closely at some of those in-state receivers of, uh, there as well right now, guys whose profile is being raised in their senior year. You have an idea of other names that are out there? I mean, obviously you've told us a lot about Lad McConkey now, and that's turned out to be true. Are there other names out there for uh, for Georgia that you kind of have your eye on that you think could could really draw some interest here late in the process? Uh, there's a kid at McEachin that I've watched and seen grow named Caleb Webb. Uh, okay. he, he really uh, jumped on the scene this year in the Corky Kale, a 6'4 receiver and verified, I think, 10-7 in the state track meet. Um, so he's a name that is uh, shooting up the boards. He was a East Carolina commit, but now he's – Definitely garnered uh, several SEC offers, and uh, but that's a name that you can really uh, take a look at late in the process. Good to know on that. Appreciate that for sure. Um, in the case of the quarterback situation, we just heard a little bit of Kirby Smart talking about his faith and belief in Stetson Bennett. Obviously, how could you not believe in Stetson given what he's done this season playing in place of JT Daniels and also that need – to see Daniels get healthy again. It sounds like JT's on his way to doing that. Smart updated the ability to throw the ball more at the beginning of this week. Talking yesterday about being in those kind of good-on-good, 11-on-11 situations and now trying to shake off that rust after having really not played much football as as of late. How do you kind of uh, evaluate and view the the quarterback decision and the, and the situation that's currently playing out for Georgia right now? I tell you, this situation is 
it's got to be handled very delicately. What I mean by that, uh, like I said last week, uh, it can split the team. It, it really can split the team at the way Stetson is playing right now. Um, there may be some team members that think Stetson should play there, some that may think JT. So Coach Smart really have to keep this real tight in the meetings and and whoever performs well at practice uh, gets to play. So I, I wouldn't say who would start, but whoever performs well in practice, I say get to start. Yeah, I think that last part of that is so important for me. I mean, I'm a big believer in JT Daniels as a player. I've also enjoyed watching Stetson Bennett too. I don't necessarily think this is like a Wally Pipp situation to, to date myself with the reference. I don't think this is one of those situations where Bennett makes people forget about JT Daniels. Right. But at the same time, I don't think it's unfair to JT to say, hey, you've got to win that trust back. It's not because the players stopped believing in you. They've just been doing this now, grinding at practice, grinding in games. They've been doing that with someone else other than you. So, you know, the word I've used a few times here is you've got to assert yourself. You've got to reassert yourself as the true right. leader of this team. And take that reign back over the course of this off week and going into that week next week against Florida. I don't think it's unfair at all to tell JT that that's what it's going to take to make everybody in that locker room believe that, yeah, you are the guy that's going to take Georgia down this stretch run. Oh, I think so. If, if JT is the guy, if they've told JT and continuously told the team that when JT's healthy, he's going to be the quarterback, uh, they really have to insert that because the worst thing for a quarterback is having looking over his shoulder, having another guy, over your shoulder yeah. that really can play. And that's the thing. So I think if JT and Coach Smart has really told the team, um, doesn't matter how well Stetson has played, JT is the man. Uh, but for JT, he has to have that confidence that if he makes a mistake, that he don't have to worry about the coaches pulling him for Stetson. Uh, yeah. That's the most important thing for the QB is he has to feel comfortable that he can go out there and play uh, free. And if he make a mistake, that it's not going to be that he get pulled in the game. He has to go out there and be able to play carefree football to be the best version of himself. And here's the other thing I'd add to that. You know, JT's had some injuries. He's had some lingering injuries. And there's a chance that he could play against, let's say, Florida. But there's also a chance that he may be hurt again after that. If you just take the quarterback job away from Stetson Bennett, hand it to JT Daniels, now, I think a lot of those Georgia players who've grown to believe that Stetson Bennett's a starter-level quarterback, if they see Bennett handled that way by the Georgia coaching staff, when Bennett is reinserted, if he were to be because of another JT Daniels injury, all of a sudden the confidence that Georgia players may have had in Bennett, I think that wanes a bit because they saw him have that quarterback job just easily taken from him and given to Daniels. I think that could potentially reduce the value of Bennett in the eyes of his teammates, and I think that's another thing but if you're Georgia, you want to be careful not to do right now. Oh, most definitely. Most definitely. You, you have to keep everyone confidence up right now in both quarterbacks. And I think the staff, I think the players have confidence in both. And that's a good thing that the players have confidence in both because JT haven't – I don't think JT has lost the game as, as a starter at, right. in Athens. And, and, and Stetson have each week have provided a spark – and lift and help don't and I don't want to use the word manage because I don't think he's managed the game. I think he's made the plays that he's had to make. Uh, he there's some throws that he wishes he could have that. For the most part, he has helped this team win. So, uh, like I say, it's a delicate situation, but I think Coach Smart has to. Uh, he has the vision. He he has to. He has had to be really on. Keeping the team, I think he had to really keep the team 
understanding of, of the situation. Uh, he has to keep them abreast in meetings or what's going to happen. If not, I think the team may be split because uh, Stetson have played so well. Yeah, I think you're right about that. Um, it's obviously an off week for Georgia. Some of that's going to be spent trying to get some guys healthy, especially at the receiver position, the position that you know so well. That's a big storyline for UGA. But beyond that, how do players use this week? You know, how do you combine the get the rest that you need? Some of that's also mental rest, too, because you've obviously been straining very hard over the course of the season. But also get focused on the big tasks at hand once Georgia gets back to the business of football next Saturday. What's the player mindset during an off week right now to really get the best of both preparation and the rest that you need? Uh, you you got to continue to stay locked in. I, mean, you, I know it's an off week. We don't have an opponent coming up, but you got to stay locked in mentally. Uh, it's a lot of cleanup week this week. I think a lot of the off weeks I've been a part of, it has to do a lot with your team and not your opponent. So this week, I think the Georgia staff should probably focus on uh, themselves and what they need to do to get better, uh, go through some of the weaknesses and try to make those strengths. Then next week we can focus on Florida. No, I think that's uh, probably right. One of the things that's come up lately is Cortez Hankton as a receivers coach, given the fact that A.D. Mitchell's having a terrific year, Lad McConkey's having a terrific year, that Georgia has really found success with its receivers in a way that would have been difficult to predict, given the fact that Pickens and Jermaine Burton and Marcus Rosemey Jackson and Arian Smith and Dominic Blaylock, that's at least five names of guys that you thought would be major wide receiver contributors that have spent a lot of time, unfortunately, injured here this year. It, it seems like Hankton's found a way to develop who he's had available and get success out of them. What do you think of Cortez Hankton as a wide receivers coach? I think he's the best. I've had an uh, opportunity to be around him a lot, and he develops. That's the main word. And I tweeted out yesterday or so that you could bring in five stars, but it's all about developing the talent that you have. Um, that five star is someone's opinion about that kid. Um but it, they don't account into the heart and the will that some of these young men have or don't have. And I think the two three-star or two-star true freshmen that we have right now, it's a sibling sub that recruiting services don't take into account is that the heart and the will. Uh, and both adjectives that come up when I talk to Coach Hankin about AD and Ladd is both of them are dogs. And I sent him a text the other day. I was like, man, you're, you're two young pups it's going to make it really hard for your older guys to get playing time because the That's way right. they're playing right now and the older guys, and it's a good situational because lad and AD are going to push those guys. If you want to play, I don't want to come off the field now. Mm-hmm. So if you want to play, you're going to have to uh, elevate your game to what all the recruiting services say you are, because I want to continue to play. And I told him that he said, you're exactly right. So it's a good thing that AD and lad is, is pushing those guys and playing the way that they're playing because it's going to be hard to take them off the field because they they are doing such a uh, excellent job. But I think this week is a a week that Jermaine Burton can get healthy. Uh, Kiers Jackson's going to come back healthy. Uh, Mark is going to come back healthy. So Adrian Smith should come back healthy. So we should get some of those guys back that just should help the offense tremendously. It seems like to me that a quarterback throwing to receivers is almost like a basketball or something like that, where we think about basketball as being kind of like a rhythm sport. Like once you get in the rhythm of the game, it seems like you start playing better. When it comes to guys catching the football, there's a little bit of a rhythm to that, right? And no fault of Kyrus Jackson. Some of those guys have been injured, but while they've been out, there has been a rhythm established. We just talked about that with the quarterback spot a moment ago. Bennett's kind of in that rhythm right now. 
and the receivers that have been playing, they're kind of in that flow of the game there too, that, that it's hard to replicate that when you've been on the sideline once the team that's on the field is clicking together. It's hard to break up that chemistry, isn't it? Oh, it is. It is. But that's where you have practice. I think this week is, like I said, it's a week that it's, it's about the Georgia Bulldogs and it's not about your opponent. So yeah. uh, Jermaine Burton could get reestablished back in a key areas to get reset because we're going to need those guys at some point to make a play. They're veterans. They've been there. They've done that. So we're going to need all those guys at some point to make a play or two to help win a game. It could be a third down catch. It could be a touchdown catch. It could be something that helps this team win. It could be a block. Uh, so we're going to need all those guys to get where we want to go to. By the way, uh, you're a terrific coach. You've worked Pace Academy for a long time, individually guys there as well. We also had a chance this week to talk to your brother, Robert. Robert's doing a great job there at Riverwood High School. They've had a tremendous season and a fun game coming up this Friday night on Peachtree TV uh, against a very good Cambridge team. And you pointed this out on Twitter this week that not only is Robert there on the side of uh, Riverwood as head coach, but uh, Reggie Brown, the terrific former Georgia wide receiver, is also wide receivers coach there at Cambridge. So a lot of former dogs here on the uh, coaching ranks in the high school uh, football around the city of Georgia. Terrence, how much fun is that for you to be able to see? Obviously, you're a big part of that, too. Uh, it's, it's wonderful. Uh, it's wonderful. I, I really want to give a big shout out to my brothers. Uh, somebody posted the other day, Derek Tatum, I give him credit, posted something about Robert the other day. He's in 6A football, got mm-hmm. 38 players, no five stars, no transfers. No, He's playing with what he's got, and he's ranked in 6A. Seven and one, and has opportunity to win his region. That's 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 coaching. Anyone can coach a star-studded team with a bunch of transfers and having five stars all the field. But see, what, can you coach with thirty-eight players in six A uh, with no five stars, no three stars? His quarterback is committed to Toledo. That's right. Um, but go in there and, and coach those guys. That's when you can find a, a really good coach. And Reggie, uh, Reggie's Reggie, man. If you know Reggie, you know what I mean. He's a good dude. Uh, knows football, loves football, and those Cambridge receivers uh, is lucky to have a a guy like that on their side. Speaking of five-stars, former five-star receiver himself, right? Yes, yes. And you know what? I have to tell him all the time, I actually beat Reggie Brown in the state championship game my senior year at Washington County. We went to Carrollton and beat them his junior year in the finals, 42-28. And every time I talk to him, I have to let him know about that. That's that's always uh, really good stuff. And then – one more thing on that topic you brought up a moment ago. What I love about Robert there as well, and what I love about doing these games on TV is, like sometimes, to be completely frank, we are televising the big five-star name, and that's always fun. Fans want to see those guys play. But I tell you, and I know that if, if Rusty Manziel, who does the games with me, if he was here, he'd say the same thing. Part of the fun of doing the games on TV, in addition to giving the fans what they want to see, the names they already know, you know, broadcasting some of those names that are not household names yet, guys – at a place like Riverwood that do deserve the attention. And, you know, we've seen already this year, I mean, offers flood in for a lot of these guys if they get a chance to play on TV, or in some cases, the even bigger offers start flooding in. You know, Robert's got a terrific defensive back, but I think has a chance to make a name for himself on uh, TV tomorrow. And, you know, Robert will be there to tell you that he's got guys on that team. And I'm sure, you know, uh, the the Cambridge side is going to say the same thing here. But there are guys that you want to get that TV camera on because – that's still the easiest way to get the message out of, hey, there's a player that you're overlooking. There's a player that you may not be paying close enough attention to. That's always, to me, one of the fun things about being on TV is the chance to not only broadcast the names that people know, but also you know, really go out there and show you some of those uh, names that other coaches around the country ought to know. 
Right. And uh, speaking of Robert's quarterback, Avery Smith, you're going to be delighted to see this young man yeah. play. Uh, he He's a really good dual threat quarterback. He makes a lot of things happen. Mm-hmm. He is the engine that makes this team go. So he's he's a, been a delight to see uh, develop over the last three years. And he's very exciting. And uh, I mean, I watch Robert film uh, each week when our sons are at football practice. Both yeah. our kids play on the same football team. So he shows what I, I watch his film. His quarterback is a delight to watch. I think a lot of people watch this game will see this is a underrated quarterback here, uh, Avery Smith, and he's a, a, yeah. a terrific football player. By the way, speaking of your son, I saw some video, a good-looking run from him uh, last night as well. So congratulations on, uh, to, to you for him finding the end zone. Oh, thank you. That's, that's my middle son, Troy. Uh, he's a dynamic athlete. I give him that, and uh, he showed it last night. Then my oldest son, Terrence, had a, a great catch. Uh, Monday night uh, very uh, is a clinic tape, and I can show these some to some of the kids that I trained. That That's good. I I don't train my son. He sit there and watches and pick up a lot of stuff. And for him to catch the ball the way he did, that was a moment where I almost jumped over the fence, go hugging myself. Oh yeah, it, it, it was it was it was wonderful to see. Well, I'll let you go after this, but I mean, you've obviously succeeded at the highest level of athletics, and you know we're both big sports fans now, watching all these games on TV. There's nothing like seeing one of your children have a, have success athletically, though, right? Like, even if it's a small thing, there's just nothing like the feeling that gives you. There's no Braves game. There's no Georgia game. There's right. no athletic moment in my own life. There is nothing that, that, that provides the feeling that you get when you see one of your children go out there and have some success athletically. That's the happiest I think I ever get. Oh, most definitely. Uh, people know I'm still the all-time leading receiver in touchdowns in Georgia right. history with 30. But I didn't celebrate at all. When my kids scored, I okay. did more celebrating with them than I did I with my own self-scoring touchdowns. That's just a moment. I was like, wow. Wow. No doubt about that. So a couple of reminders here. Peachtree TV, Friday night, our friends at Score Atlanta, we team up with them. Streaming at CBS46.com, Riverwood and Cambridge. Terrific, terrific battle. That's going to be great. We'll see you there on Friday night for that. Also, Terrence, remind folks for yourself, as you said, you're working with these receivers all the time. Uh, getting them better, catching the football, running those routes, and really making a name for themselves, getting the attention on these college coaches in the process. How can folks connect with you? Yes, you're looking to get your son or daughter now uh, trained to be a better receiver, pass catcher. You can find me on all social media at Terrence Edwards Wide Receiver Academy. Terrence, great stuff. We'll look forward to chatting with you soon, and we appreciate your time here today. Uh, Thank you. Good stuff there, Terrence Edwards here, part of Dog Nation Daily, presented by Meriwether and Tharp. We'll roll in here. We'll go cruise around the SEC now, courtesy of our friends at Royal Caribbean. And it is time to start thinking about getting back on the seas with them. I'm talking about one of the beautiful ships as a part of the Royal Caribbean fleet. So many of these sail out of Port Canaveral, short drive from where we are in the Atlanta area. Really fun getaway destination. If you're cruising for the first time, one of those three or four night cruises is perfect for that. Just a way to kind of find out just how much fun it all is, including the amplified, recently amplified Mariner of the Seas going out of Port Canaveral. One of the cool things about those uh, ships and those cruises is one of the destinations as a part of that is Perfect Day Coco Cay. It's the private island exclusive to those on Royal Caribbean ships, and it is an unbelievable oasis, unlike anything you've ever experienced before. On the island, there's a thrill side, which means tallest water slide in North America. There's a chill side, which means there's like these floating private cabanas, almost like being in Bora Bora or somewhere like that. It is just an incredible, incredible getaway. And it is for you to be a part of there. So check out one today, your chance to be a part 
of a Royal Caribbean cruise. And I think the best thing to do to kind of get you ready for something like that is to turn your attention to folks who really know all about it. I'm talking about experts who are a big part of all that. It's our friends at the Cruise and Vacation Authority. One of the cool things about the Cruise and Vacation Authority, the owners are a couple of uh, UG alumni, so that's a really cool thing. But they also know all about everything involving a Royal Caribbean cruise vacation. They can get you set up with the very best choice specifically for you and everybody you're taking with you. So let's talk about this uh, Cruise and Vacation Authority website, tcava.com. That's tcava.com. Or you can give them a call, 770-952-8300. Once again, that's 770-952-8300. Check out the Cruise and Vacation Authority here today. All right, let's bounce in here. Let's do our... Uh, cruise around the SEC here for a moment. Let's talk about a couple of things. One of the things I think is interesting, this has been out there for a couple of days. I meant to mention this yesterday, and we just kind of got busy with the Mikhail Williams stuff. We weren't able to hit this. It's amazing how much debate is continuing from like even like non-SEC-centric media and certainly not Georgia-centric media. The debate has really continued about Mark Stoops' decision to push for that late touchdown last Saturday against Georgia. The long drive was 20 plays, something crazy like that, more than 20 plays chews up all that clock, calls those timeouts there at the end, punches it into the end zone. And what's been treated as like semi-controversial, I've watched a lot of these like gambling podcasts or listen to these gambling podcasts and the bettors. Bettors have definitely taken notice of the fact that Stoops tried to score the touchdown when he did because the closing line last Saturday was around that three touchdown mark. And when Stoops scored that touchdown, it put Kentucky inside the number there. And I think a lot of folks are fairly asking, wait, was this Mark Stoops actually playing with the point spread in mind? Was this Stoops actually trying to keep it inside the number? And what does that mean for the future of college football if coaches from now on are going to be this aware of the point spread and instead of coaching to try to win the game and coaching to you know basically live for tomorrow if you're losing the game, now actually coaching to come down with the spread. First of all, Stoops would, be the, would not be the first coach to ever if this is indeed what he did, Stoops would not be the first coach to ever do this this way. I think, you know, coaches have done this in the past, but I don't know that anyone maybe has as blatantly done that as what Stoops did. And we may never know if this was Stoops just wanting to score a touchdown or if this was Stoops truly trying to play for the spread and be able to have his fans tell each other, hey, we covered the spread against UGA, something that most teams this season have not been able to do. We may never know that for a fact, but let's say that Stoops did do this. Let's say that Stoops was aware of the spread and used that game on Saturday as a way of you know, narrowing that and getting the cover against Georgia. If Stoops did do that intentionally, I actually don't think it's that bad of a thing. First of all, it's his 60 minutes. He gets to use them however he wants. And if he's able to go back to practice this week and say, hey, we punched it in on Georgia there at the end, if that builds up his team, then you know, I think Kirby Smart saying what he said this week of, you know, hey, you know, he's just trying to do what he needs to do for his team. I actually don't think it's all that controversial that Stoops did what he did. But here's the other thing that's kind of out there on this a little bit. And this is the point that I really wanted to bring up. There's a little bit of a thought out there right now. When you look at Kentucky's remaining schedule, there's a chance Kentucky could win the rest of them. It is not beyond the realm of possibility that Kentucky finishes the season at 11-1. and one. They're not going to win the SEC East. That's going to be Georgia. But it's entirely possible that, that, that Kentucky goes 11-1 and one, and their only loss is going to be at Georgia in a game in which they were certainly closer with UGA than most teams have been. And they can now say, hey, we covered the spread against Georgia. I don't think this is ever going to happen, but it's at least worth considering. 
We've talked about the possibility of two SEC teams making the college football playoff. And in the past, when, when teams have made the college football playoff as a second team from the conference, like in Alabama in 2017, for instance, that was a team who did that without playing in the SEC championship game. Last year, Notre Dame made the playoff in the one year that it was in the ACC officially when it lost the conference title game. But for the most part, when a non-conference champion from a Power Five makes the playoff, it does so without playing in the conference title game. Think about Ohio State a couple of years before that uh, in the Big Ten, as a for instance, on this. You know, this is a very weird year for college football where chaos is reigning supreme and where, you know, you're left to wonder, well, who would you consider for the college football playoff? I think an 11-1 Kentucky, with the only loss being, you know, not the worst-looking score at number one Georgia, that might make for a very interesting playoff discussion on down the line. Now, Kentucky's obviously got to win the rest of its games, and maybe it'll do that, maybe it won't. But just keep in mind the decision to punch it in late against Georgia to narrow that final margin of victory a little bit as you start to pay attention to this playoff debate as it's ongoing here, that Kentucky may find themselves sneaking in the back door of that discussion a little bit. Just earmark that for now, and we'll come back to that if that becomes relevant at, at some point in the future. What may also be relevant at some point in the future is the situation at Tennessee with its former coach, Jeremy Pruitt. I think what Tennessee did by essentially inviting the NCAA into its program to investigate Jeremy Pruitt, because at least from appearances, it it seems like Tennessee wanted a reason to fire Jeremy Pruitt. I just thought at the time that was a very reckless, dangerous thing to do. And I think that history may judge that to be a major, major error on the part of the Vols, because now Jeremy Pruitt's getting his lawsuit ready to go against Tennessee. You probably read a little bit about this. And it seems like the strategy here is to go scorched earth as much as you possibly can against the Vols bringing in AAU basketball names here, implicating the basketball program in some things. And essentially, Pruitt sounds like he's getting ready to tell you where everybody is buried all over Knoxville, at least figuratively speaking, where everybody's buried all over Knoxville related to what was going on besides him there at Tennessee. You've heard the saying that was the saying that uh, hell hath no fury like a woman scorned. You know, I don't know if that's true or not, but hell having no fury like a college football coach feeling scorned. That may be quite true. Some of these guys know how to talk when they feel like they've been wrong. And for a guy like Jeremy Pruitt, who's maybe not sure where his next big job is coming from, he may have little motivation not to drag Tennessee through the mud. So for those of us who like the soap opera that is the SEC, we may get a chance to get our popcorn ready for Pruitt absolutely trashing the balls in the days to come and maybe dragging out some juicy secrets there too. So that might not be so bad all the way around. Nick Saban has talked about the Alabama-Tennessee rivalry third Saturday in October takes place this weekend between the, the Crimson Tide and the Vols. And he was asked if the, he thought the uh, Alabama-Tennessee rivalry can be a rivalry again. He says, well, you can say it however you want to say it, but it's significant if you don't have success in the game because it's significant to a lot of people. And what happened the last however many years you talked about will have no impact on this game at all. And the only thing that matters is what happens now. So Saban, after kind of a convoluted statement, says, so for now, this week, it's a rivalry game to me, and I hope it is to everybody in our organization. So obviously, Saban's trying to find a way to talk up Tennessee, given the fact that Alabama's dominated them for as long as they have. And here's the one thing I'll say about the positive for Tennessee. That a lot of people look at the, the lack of recruiting success, the lack of success against a hated rivalry like Alabama, and they just sort of assume that the Tennessee era, to the extent that it ever existed, is done. That Tennessee is one of the SEC's blue bloods that can never happen again. 
I don't know that it's likely to happen, but I've kind of softened my stance on the notion that it's impossible that Tennessee could ever be really good again. Part of that's just because I just see more national recruiting taking place, you know, more, more programs going well outside their geographic footprint to bring in players. That's what Tennessee has to do. Uh, the state of Tennessee's high school football is getting better, but it's still not anywhere near where a lot of its border states around the South are. So you have to recruit somewhat nationally at a place like Tennessee, but recruiting nationally is becoming a little bit more possible than it once would have been. And a lot of guys like to kind of gather themselves on one of these super teams now. So it, it seems like in the cycle that we're currently in, Alabama dominating Tennessee and Tennessee struggling, they're more than a, you know, almost a four touchdown underdog, uh, more than a four touchdown underdog uh, against Alabama on Saturday that it's just never going to change. It's never going to reverse course. But prior to Nick Saban, Tennessee also dominated Alabama for a long time to come too. So these things do have a tendency to be a little bit cyclical. And the idea that this rivalry can never shift back in the direction of the uh, Vols again, I wouldn't be so quick to assume that necessarily. Saw so where Bob Bowlesby, the Big 12 commissioner, has spoken out about a feeling of betrayal because of what has happened for him in the way that the uh, – uh, the way that it goes down with um, Texas and Oklahoma leaving the the Big 12 for the SEC. And the the thing this reminds me of is, you know, the old football movie, North Dallas 40. And it's, it's actually a movie that came out before I was born, but there's a line in the movie that I'm aware of that kind of always gets my attention where I guess the one player says to the owner, I think, he says, why is that every time I call this a game, you call it a business, but every time you call it a business, that, that I call it a, a, a business, you call it a game. That, you know, it, it seems like there's that thought of, you know, Bob Bowlesby, who's obviously in business as Big 12 commissioner to get as much business as he can, all of a sudden it's like, hey, you know, we're supposed to be colleagues here. We're supposed to be playing a game. And, you know, Texas and Oklahoma betrayed us when all Texas and Oklahoma really did was the same thing that Bowlesby tries to do on behalf of the Big 12 all the time, make the best business decision for them. The fact of the matter is the Big 12 was always the weakest of the Power 5 leagues, and now it's not really even a Power 5 league at all anymore. It's going to have 12 members going forward, but it's not going to have any marquee flagship institutions. And it really becomes more like a, a group of six situation where it'll take its place alongside the American Athletic Conference or the, or the Sun Belt or something along those lines. It certainly doesn't belong in the same conversation with the leagues like the SEC or the Big Ten anymore. So there's still more chatter and more hurt feelings related to Texas and Oklahoma leaving. And right now, there's not a huge motivation on the part of the SEC to accelerate their admission into the sec because they're not going to get any extra money for doing it sooner but you kind of wonder are the situations out in the big 12 getting so sour that the league just may dissolve before the the deadline some years from now just because these entities can't coexist together anymore we'll make that your sec through and here on dog nation daily i'll also remind you that as you're heading towards the weekend fun time to start thinking about a little marco's pizza that's always a uh, really good thing for you to be able to do i'm talking about those Three cheeses blended together on that golden brown crust, perfectly baked every time. Old world authentic toppings like the pepperoni, the sausage, everything else just taste great. And it's a great price for you right now, too, including a bundle, which includes a, a large one topping pizza, the pizza bowl, which is like the pizza flavor without the crust, and that cheesy bread, all just $21.99 right now. So find it online, marcos.com or the Marcos app. You can be enjoying yourself some pizza as you're watching baseball tonight, or if you're flipping over to football or heading towards the weekend, maybe enjoying some time off away from Georgia football. Marco's Pizza goes great with whatever you're doing. And uh, make sure you check them out today, marcos.com and on the Marco's app. All right, we've got a great collection of golden shoes I want to give out with you today. 
So let's get ready to bounce through that right now here. Some very, very fun stuff to give, including our buddy Arnold Santiago. We're going to give him a golden shoe because Eagle Eye, and I saw this on TV last night too, and uh, Arnold shared this with me. From the game last night at Dodger Stadium, late in the game, the Braves are celebrating their victory. Arnold writes in a salute to this DGD, repping UGA at Dodger Stadium. He says, go dogs, go Braves. He says, this guy should get a golden shoe award. And there he is, the Georgia G t-shirt uh, there at Dodger Stadium. When I was watching this live, I almost halfway wondered, is this somebody that went out there for the Rose Bowl in 2017 and just never found his way back home again? Uh, but either way, good to see the dogs, uh, along with some Braves fans represented there at Dodger Stadium last night. Frank Palumbo helping us keep it alive. Hashtag JD to NYC. Jordan Davis diving for that Heisman Trophy Award. I'm telling you right now, y'all, this is happening. This is not a drill. We talked about this yesterday. You know, Feinbaum on Get Up, the ESPN, uh, CBS, all the major outlets now have made it a big talking point, really echoing what Georgia fans have been saying as a part of this show now for a while, that Jordan Davis is going to New York City. Uh, Frank Palumbo is helping us with that. Appreciate that. Uh, Deadhead Dog also shouting out me, saying we've got me to thank for getting this ball rolling. Hashtag JD to NYC. And I can promise you this. I'm happy to have played a role in this. I don't want any credit for it. Don't want any credit for it. I want Georgia fans to enjoy doing this. I want Jordan Davis to be the one that gets credit for this. When Davis is in New York City, when he's there at the Heisman Ceremony at the uh, Downtown Athletic Club, uh, I, I don't want anybody thinking about me. I want him thinking about Davis himself. This is Davis's honor. But we're going to use the power that we have, the big megaphone that we have on this platform of Dog Nation Daily. We're going to use it to signal boost everybody that's that's bragging on Jordan. And we're going to use it to amplify the message that Jordan Davis really does need to be in New York as a Heisman finalist. The hashtag JD to NYC is helping us out with that, which is why I want to highlight this Danny Blackman tweet here for a moment. Y'all, here's what we got to be careful of. To really make this grow at the level it, it needs to, we have to keep the consistent hashtag. So remember, the hashtag here is hashtag JD, which stands for Jordan Davis, the number two NYC, which stands for New York City. So if you see folks out there that are using some you know, uh, version of that, let's try to keep it cleaned up. Everybody using hashtag JD to NYC. The more that hashtag stays consistent, the more it's not kind of bouncing around for a bunch of different things, the easier it becomes for it to grow and the more likely it is that the big networks will take notice of it and keep that conversation going. So try to keep that hashtag consistent, JD to NYC, for more on that. Uh, Trevor Barrick weighs in, showing you uh, Jordan Davis dropping down there on, oh, by the way, how, how interesting is this? Desmond Ritter from last year's Peach Bowl. This could be a, a preview of a future playoff game. He gives you the hashtag JD to NYC. Trevor, uh, appreciate that. You are a golden shoe winner today. Texas Dog weighs in here and says that even Fox News is now talking about Jordan Davis, the Heisman. Hashtag JD to NYC. This is the number one rule in media. If we amplify this conversation loud enough, everyone will take notice of it. Heisman voters will be influenced by it. So we just got to keep the heat on. Hashtag JD to NYC. We're going to give out those golden shoes each and every day for those who participate in that. Lance Edwards also takes that same photo of Desmond Ritter. And instead of chasing down Ritter, he's got Jordan Davis chasing down that Heisman Trophy award. He also gives the hashtag JDNYC. Lance, appreciate that. And then finally, how about this work of art from Joel Sidney Kelly, who is so good at this? Gives you Jordan Davis, uh, the very hulked up, muscular looking Davis, holding the Heisman Trophy. The hashtag says JD to NYC. 
Joel uh, Sidney Kelly gives you the go dogs. Tags Jordan that there as well. I hope Jordan's having fun with all this because we're obviously doing all of this on his behalf. Really appreciate that. Great, great stuff. Golden shoes across the board for everybody keeping that hashtag red hot. Hashtag JD to NYC. Really, really appreciate that. I'll tell you tomorrow we'll come back. We'll do our picks for the week for the weekend that is to come. Does not involve Georgia, but we'll give you our picks on that with our friends at BetUS. That comes up tomorrow. And as a way of saying goodbye to you today, uh, of course, uh, do not forget nine days from now, dogs, take the gators, smack them around, getting some revenge in Jacksonville. Cocktail party is going to be a blast. Uh, be there if you can. We'll look forward to seeing you there, and we'll be looking forward to, over the course of the next few days, doing a lot to get ready for the rivalry that means more to us than any other. A good Georgia fan is a gator hater first and foremost. And nine days, we think the dogs do some flexing. I guess the team that we all love to hate. So we'll see you tomorrow. Dog Nation Daily presented by Merriweather and Tharp.